Hello everyone, welcome to the JarCast. This is the first episode of this year. I'm your host, William Spengler. And I'm the other host, Lulu Salacia. Today, for our first guest, we have Dr. Farmer. Hello! So, Dr. Farmer, my understanding is that you teach Western Civ 1 and 2. That's correct. Am I missing anything? I also teach a kind of buffer class that's meant to like lead people up into 11th grade history. Okay. So that class is called World History and has people from 9th and 10th grade in it. Okay. Um, so... My understanding is that you have quite a bit of education under your belt. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So I, uh, my training is not in history, but in English. And I have a degree from Toccoa Falls College, which is a very small college in north, northeast Georgia. Okay. I have a BA from there in English. And then a master's in English from the University of Nebraska at Omaha, which is not UNL, but the, the kind of satellite campus. Okay. And uh, and then a PhD from the University of Georgia, also in English. Okay, that's very impressive. Thank you. Um, sorry, go ahead. Um, so, how how have you enjoyed your time in ACA so far? I really um I, I really am liking it. And I've never taught high school before, so I feel like some of my adjustment is not so much about ACA as it is about high school itself. But I've been very impressed with the students, and I've enjoyed teaching my classes. What grades did you teach before? I taught college before. Oh wow! Yeah, so so it's 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 you it's a jump and and it, but it's less of a jump than you might imagine it would be because okay. ACA students are, by and large, about as curious and interested as the students at my college were. Yes, so, sir. So that that part is not as big of a jump. It's just the kind of what what the day to day differences between teaching high school and college. That's the that's the big jump. Definitely, that makes sense. Um, so I guess kind of a question we had was, what you obviously have spent your whole life or most of your most of your life in education and what kind of what made that happen i guess is a bad way of saying it but drove you to it yeah what drove you to decide to spend so much time in education i i just like when i like seriously considered things i could actually do this was this was the only thing that made sense to me to kind of get in a room and talk to people about ideas that's what i really like yeah, and I think that's actually one of the great parts of ACA is that a lot of teachers do just really love teaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, th- I think that's right. That's that's what I've observed with my colleagues anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of the classrooms are just discussion-based, and mm-hmm. that's a good way to connect your students. And Absolutely. So uh, one of the reasons we brought you on as our first guest is because you have a podcast yourself, uh, The Christian Humanist. That's correct. How long have you been doing that for? Since 2009. So oh, wow. back when very few people had podcasts, I think it's actually illegal not to have a podcast now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we, uh, my colleagues on that show and I have been doing it since um, 2009. And what, what happened is I had finished my coursework at the University of Georgia. And you, um, if you don't know this, graduate school works where you have usually two years of coursework and then you have to write a dissertation. You have, you have to take a big exam and you have to write a dissertation. But once you're finished with your coursework, you can leave the campus. So I had just married my wife in 2009, and she had gotten into the PhD program at Florida State University. Uh, so we moved to Tallahassee, the worst city in America. Okay. <laughs> and um, I felt very alone and isolated. And when you're in graduate school, you have this really intense academic community, kind of like what you have at ACA, but even more intense because it's this, not just the smartest people from all the high schools in, in the country, but the smartest people from all the colleges in the country, and then also me. Um, <laughs> but I, I felt I felt very isolated. I missed that community, so I reached out to a few friends of mine from that same program at University of Georgia, and we started doing that podcast. You know, long before we had any idea of what we were doing. Um, 
So yeah, it was, it's, it's been a long time. Um, and, and mostly it's still fun. Good, good. And my understanding is you, you guys cover kind of a broad topic of things. Would you like to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, our tagline is or was uh, things that human beings do well. So okay. it really is like anything, any, anything humanities related. That word humanist we used, uh, used to, to mean uh, humanities related. So we talk, about, uh, we talk about literature, we talk about history, we talk about art and music and all sorts of other stuff. Okay, that's really interesting. We might need a tagline too. <laughs> yeah, um, I also understand Sam, that you uh, have a lot of, you've written a lot of material and you put a lot of material out on the internet. Like yeah, I've I've published I've, I've published some things. I, I write or wrote. I, I'm not doing much writing this year because uh, taking on the two Western subclasses mm -hmm. yeah, is definitely. such a such an undertaking. Yeah, <laughs> as you might imagine. But uh, for a long time, I was writing for the Front Porch Republic, which is kind of an online magazine that features uh, localism and things like that. But I've written for print publications too. I have some articles in America Magazine, which is the Jesuit, uh, the Jesuit magazine, and uh, some other places as well. But yeah, Front Porch Republic is probably my main venue. The, the editor there and I are friends, and he's been nice enough to, to publish some of my stuff. That's so interesting. Um, we're going to do a little bit of a get to know you part sure since you are a new teacher this year um i guess maybe the answer to this might be you enjoy podcasting but what what do you enjoy doing in your free time you know um music is really really important to me i, I would say I, I sometimes ask a question to people like what what human endeavor could you not do without and, and music is really mine now i have very little musical talent on my own okay but I, I really love all sorts of music, and I listen to music, and I buy records, and I, I read about music and, and stuff like that. So that, um, I, w I would say, is probably my biggest hobby. What's your favorite genre of music? Yeah. I, you know, I, 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 I like almost everything. Okay. But I, I grew up listening to rock music, and, and the kind of alternative rock stuff remains the, the thing I am most conversant with. Okay. You got a favorite band? Yeah, I love the band Ockerville River. Have you guys heard of them? I've not. They're yeah. like a hyper literate alternative rock folk rock band. They're they're really great if you like um, if you like really complicated lyrics, right. uh, which I do. <laughs> um, I guess another question might be, uh, what's your favorite restaurant? And this. I guess it could be a restaurant in Atlanta. It could be somewhere else. Yeah. So, so this is an interesting question because I grew up in Gwinnett County. Okay. But I lived in Minnesota for a long time. And then when I left academia, we moved in with my parents in Woodstock, Georgia. You okay. know where that is. Yes, sir. So when we moved there, we didn't have any money, so we didn't go to restaurants. And then as soon as we got some money, COVID happened and all the restaurants shut down. Okay. <laughs> so I don't really have a favorite restaurant in Atlanta yet. I just haven't been to enough of them. Okay. We loved this place in Minnesota called Pub 819. It's in Hopkins, Minnesota. I don't know if anybody listening to this will ever <laughs> go to Hopkins. It's a kind of a, the platonic ideal of a small Minnesota town. But that, that restaurant, we my wife Victoria and I just loved it. And uh, we, we would go there all the time. That's so cool. Um... Okay. Um, do you have a favorite book? I know it's a hard question for a yeah. Somebody who's read so much. Yeah. What, what I usually say is John Updike's The Centaur, uh, okay. which is a, a kind of semi-experimental novel. It's about a, a teenager coming to grips with his father, who is who is a teacher at his school, 
and it's just wildly embarrassing. Oh, wow. But I think that's the best book ever written about teaching because, like, the guy's wildly embarrassing because he, he just has very little ego and just kind of bleeds for all his students. And and he's willing to be mocked by them. It's it's that That's probably my favorite, my favorite book. That's interesting just because there's so many, like, students at ACA whose teachers also work here. Yeah. Somebody might... Feel like they connect with that listening yeah if, uh, if any of the faculty kids are, are listening to this the centaur by john updike i don't I, <laughs> I, I wrote a book on john updike i don't recommend a lot of his work because okay. it's often very sexually explicit but the centaur is pretty close it's pretty clean it's, it's 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 a good place to start if you're interested in updike okay um what is the coolest place you've been in the world i love montreal okay, okay. Now, I say that now, but my wife and I have just booked a trip to Paris for spring mm. break. So I've, I've been obsessed with France for a long time. So uh, I've never been there before. So oh, that wow. might be my favorite, you know, this time next year. But I love Montreal. And closer to home, I really like Birmingham, Alabama, which is a kind of, I think, underrated underrated mm-hmm. city. Sure. Okay. I, I just got back from Paris, actually. Was, oh, did you? Yeah, it was very cool. What We're, do I need to do there? You definitely need to go to Louvre. I mean, I'm, I'm expecting plenty of yeah. Lou's awesome. It's like even like if you're not even there for the art, like the building itself sure. is so cool. It's like got, it's like a glass pyramid, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also just like it used to be the like the royal palace. Hmm. So there's all these like giant frescoes on the ceiling. Oh, it's cool. all decorated. Um, where else can you go? Uh, there's just a lot of like churches. Yeah. Which, like all of them are very cool. Um, we went to Saint Germain, which is uh, it's like not too well known, but it's it's very colorful. Mm-hmm. It was just, like, really cool, I thought. And then uh, definitely, I mean, too bad you can't go to Notre Dame. Yeah, you can, like, look at that's it, what I was saying. But it's, it's like, walled off now, and it's very bad. But. That's, it's so unfortunate that yeah. that happened. I I watched that happen on the news when it mm-hmm. happened, and, and uh, like, I was I was really, um, really moved by that. Mm. It was, it, and then you, you saw the video of all the uh, Parisians standing around singing hymns, and you yeah. think of reasons as being a very irreligious people but right. something something must have stuck yeah definitely just to see like a place so special to so many people because know. it's a symbol not just of french catholicism but of france itself right yeah, and we all know it right which also just adds so much to it definitely even if it's just from the disney movie right yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i think uh my favorite was uh, saint chapelle ch- okay. the church so it's, uh, still it's on the same island as notre dame it's I don't know what building's attached to, but it's this church with like amazing stained glass. The whole building's oh, like, cool. like uh, maybe like seventy percent stained glass, and it surrounds the whole building, and it's just phenomenal. I have to check that out. Yeah, I know I wanted to go to Saint Sulpice, which is the the second biggest church in Paris. I think that's in the fifth. Yeah, I think I went there. Well, I guess while we're on the topic of art. Um, what what do you know about art? I don't know. It's kind of a big question or a broad <laughs> question, but it is. And I mean, I I tend to like um, kind of impressionist and post impressionist okay. art. I like that kind of late nineteenth century. I also really love, and this is such a such a basic opinion, but I never studied. I'm allowed to have a basic opinion about art. I really like the work of Edward Hopper. Do you guys know him? I think vaguely, maybe. You you probably have seen his painting Nighthawks, which is oh, okay, yeah. the, the guy at the diner with the woman in the red. Yeah, dress. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and his, I like that one. <laughs> yeah, I do too. And his his paintings just they they carry this amazing aura of urban loneliness, uh-huh. which I find 
uh, attractive in maybe a way I shouldn't. Like it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't make cities look good, but yeah. somehow it makes them look good. It makes them look real, right? Because I guess when you think of a city, you think of like places being full mm-hmm. very often, but that's not really what happens all the time. Yeah, he has he has these paintings that are just empty. Like you 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 look at these urban landscapes and there's just sometimes there's nobody in them and sometimes mm-hmm. there's just one or two people and you can look at them and see that they're unable to communicate their loneliness to anybody and mm-hmm. that sort of thing appeals to me. Yeah. yeah Lulu and I both took uh, AP art history last year. Uh-huh. So we got we got decently far. We got basically past the Renaissance and there's a lot of art that was very interesting to me and like one thing about going to Paris and like going to all those museums was being able to see all that art it was very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like being able to see, or I get yeah, I get to see what you've learned about in a class, or even if you're reading a book in a class and you feel like it applies to your life. Mm-hmm. It seems it's very interesting. Did you feel like it was kind of a letdown to see the famous paintings in in person? Um. Well, it was. It's very strange because there were so many frescoes and like Renaissance frescoes in the Louvre that it's just kind of. They start getting very similar, and like it's just kind of like, wow, like this is so much detail, but like this one has so much detail. So you're kind of just walking by all these paintings, and it's not really a letdown, I'd say. It's just like there's so much of it that like it kind of is let down away because it's like been replicated so many times, I'd say. Well, yeah, and like art museums are so exhausting, right? I can never spend more than about an hour and a half. Yeah, on them they do get a little tiring. You just have to pay such close attention. Yeah, definitely. It's 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 tough. Yeah. There's uh-huh. not enough time right. to really absorb everything, at least in one day. And so. the, the Louvre's the second largest museum in the world, so... What's it, the biggest? Uh, it's St. Peter's? Maybe? Oh, in, in Rome? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I may not be right, though. But, yeah, it has over, like, 10,000 pieces. That's crazy. And it's just, like, you can't see it all. So. Right. Right, well, which is kind of freeing, I imagine, because mm-hmm. if you go to a museum where you think you can see everything, you're not going to be able to pay attention yeah. to everything. Yeah, I could see that. Well, it wouldn't be very good for business either if <laughs> everybody true. only had That's to come true. once. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, although there's something to those little art museums. When I lived in Omaha, I used to walk up to the Jocelyn Art Museum, which is tiny and free on Saturday mornings, and you could see the whole thing in 45 minutes, but I just kept going back, you know. That's so interesting. Was there anything you, like, maybe saw a second time or a third time or however many that maybe didn't strike you the first so jackson pollock they have a jackson pollock painting there it's the mm-hmm. only one i've ever seen in person you know pollock he's mm-hmm. got the, the kind of bizarre uh canvases where mm-hmm. he's he's like swung a paint can yeah, over. yeah so yeah. you know this and the thing about pollock i'm not a huge fan of him but seeing the paintings in person is amazing because they're so thick with paint yeah there's just so and not just paint like the one in omaha and i think this is typical but i, I don't know the one in Omaha has a, a cigarette butt that he has smoked that's embedded oh, wow. in the paint because he just, you know, threw it on there. And that, I mean, that, that's a, that was a real experience. That's yeah. so interesting. Um, okay, so next question is, if, if you could go back in time and tell your senior self something, what would you tell him? I would tell him to work harder than he was prone to work. I feel like (laughs) I feel like I never developed really good study habits until graduate school. And I feel like I could have done so much more. I could have learned so much more. I could have been I don't want to say I could have been more successful because I that I I don't know how much that really motivates me. But I I just feel like I wasted a lot of time as as a high schooler and as a college student. And I wish I hadn't. Yeah. So just like you waste a lot of time like the learning aspects. Yeah, I I was a I was a real underachiever. 
Okay, so now we're going to begin to focus our attention on just recording podcasts, getting some advice from Dr. Farmer on maybe what William and I should be doing to make this year's podcast even better. Um, so yeah, let's begin. What's a basic guide to podcasting for anybody out there who may be thinking about it? Well, I mean, the nice thing with podcasting is there's very little overhead, right? You you can, even a, a, a good podcasting mic is $85 or whatever, and it's, it's just not that much money. So if you, if you think you have an idea for it, it's probably worth doing. On the other hand, there's such a glut of podcasts, right. you know, that you can't, you can't, even if you do it, don't get hung up on the idea that you're going to get a lot of people listening to you because um, we've been doing it for, what is that, 12 years now? It'll be 12 years in October. And we get a few thousand per uh, per episode, which is not bad. I mean, if I if you had gone back in time and told me in graduate school that I, I would have three thousand people who care what I say about something, that that would be that I would have been pretty excited about that. Yeah. But some of those big podcasts, you know, they have listeners in the hundreds of thousands and right. millions, and you just can't compare yourself to it. So what I would do is focus on number one, finding a thing that other people aren't doing. Like, I mean, the ACA podcast is a good example. Nobody is, nobody else is talking to the people here. You know, you, right. you have a, you have a very um, niche market, but then also just, just focus on doing it the best you can. And on some level, don't worry about what your audience is. Uh, understand that when you podcast, you're speaking into a void. You don't get any kind of feedback until weeks, months, sometimes years later, we still get emails about episodes we did in 2012, 2013, oh, wow. you know, and you, you just never know if you're, if you're, um, if you're reaching anybody. So what I would say is do it for yourself, do it because you enjoy having the conversations, do it because you like getting free books. If you're interviewing people who, who wrote books, which, <laughs> uh, another show that does that. Um, and, and kind of don't, don't stress out about the kind of numbers of the whole thing, you know? Yeah, definitely. So how long did it take y'all? to get to the point where you are today. Obviously, you've been recording podcasts for 12 years, but I'm sure there was some time where it wasn't going maybe as you had imagined. It, you, it, you, you get a rhythm. Now, it, it helps that I've been doing the same show with more or less the same three guys forever, uh-huh. and we were friends beforehand. So mm-hmm. we, have a kind of, we had a kind of rapport, but you, you, have to, you have to find a groove. And our first, oh, I don't know, 10 or 15 episodes are pretty brutal. To listen to, yeah. yeah, you know what I mean, and and over the course of twelve years, I'm sure I've said lots of things I'm embarrassed about now. But I, I remember we did an episode on Martin Heidegger, the German philosopher Martin Heidegger, and I remember editing that episode. This was this would have been early on; it was probably 2010, and I remember thinking, okay, so like this is a thing that nobody else would have done the way we just did it, and I think that people who don't know me might be interested in listening to the show. Definitely. And, and that was a good feeling. And, you know, yeah. you know when you get there. Yeah. When did you start getting a lot of followers, like a lot of people listening, about like maybe like 100? I don't, I don't remember exactly the, the kind of path of the numbers. And the other thing is unless you pay money to one of these companies that tracks it, it's very hard to get accurate numbers. Oh, know? okay. Um, That's so, probably good for us to know, just that we might not. Yes. I have a perfect number. Well, you're using FeedBurner? We're using Spotify. Okay, I don't know Spotify at all, but FeedBurner gives you some numbers, but like it helps you compare to other podcasts that you mm-hmm. that you have that you're also posting, but it it won't um it won't give you a, an accurate uh vision of who who is um who's listening. Okay. 
That's good to know. But but again, like if you're gonna do it, you should just do it because that's what you want to do. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Just because it it brings you joy, or you know, you enjoy it, or whatever. I suppose those two things are one and the same. Um, but the the other thing you do have to remember about podcasts is once it's on the internet, it's there. <laughs> forever yes sir so you have to be careful what you say right? definitely i have a friend um so there's a there's a one of plato's dialogues is called the, the phaedrus and socrates it's a dialogue written against writing things down essentially socrates is very in that dialogue is very against writing things down you know this one no but I, I'm not, like we've uh, studied socrates so sure more philosophy and... it's, it's a good it's a good dialogue i used to teach it sometimes but he says in there that the problem with writing something down is it's forever, right, on the one hand. And on the other hand, there's no talking back. There's no dialogue possible. And the interesting thing about the Internet, my friend says, is that it is forever and also there's talk back. But that mm-hmm. means the talk back is also forever. And, I mean, as we all know, people say very nasty things yes. on the Internet and on some podcasts, although I can't imagine the ACA podcast Hopefully, suddenly yeah. turning into you just taking people down. Hopefully, yeah. That's actually interesting because right now in um... – modern European literature we're reading the uh, notes from underground oh sure yeah so can you imagine if he'd had a podcast <laughs> <laughs> I think it would just it, it'd be hard to listen to is yeah. what I'm thinking yeah no way he could make a podcast he maybe make like a voice recording of himself but then delete it or something it's, it's there's something to... about pen and paper that's so permanent well, it, it's also, it's hard to imagine him producing it in any meaningful way, you know? Yeah. <laughs> he would never edit himself. No, he couldn't. It would rambling. defeat the whole purpose. Yeah. That's funny. And that concludes the first Jarcast of this year. Thank you so much, Dr. Farmer, for coming on. Well, thank you for inviting me. This was fun. Uh, you have taught us a lot about podcasting, and I think hopefully it will help us in the future to improve the podcast and get the word out. We hope to be posting these every other week. And we look forward to hearing what everyone thinks. Thank you, guys.